Good morning, everyone. This week, as I was preparing for the message to deliver today, I want to look back and see how long we've been now going through the book of Acts. For some of you, it might seem like quite a long time. And as I look back, I found out that we actually started reading through the book of Acts and preaching through it on my birthday, uh, at the very beginning of April, which has now been over six months. And what's exciting, I think, is if you take a look at what's been going on in our church in that time period, you see a lot of ways that the Holy Spirit is mirroring in our church what we are reading about in Acts. And I've seen it in several different ways. I mean, one of those ways that I see it, morning prayer, where we pray with Jay that leads it six days a week up in the upper room. And so many times we now see the Holy Spirit noticeably present, working among us up there as we pray for all of you, as we pray for the city, as we pray for our nation, as we pray for the world. Another way I've seen it, too, is that this fall we have, I think, more small groups going on where people are getting into the Word than I've seen in at least like the three years that I've been here at our church so far. And then finally, Jeff... Um, I think a couple weeks ago, spoke about how there is just a multitude of youth in this city and around the city who are now coming to our youth ministry and being blessed through our youth ministry. So it's just, it's just awesome to see all the different ways, the, the Holy Spirit. And what what's, we have to grasp, and it's just hard to grasp, is that same Holy Spirit that is working here in this church is the same Holy Spirit that exploded the growth of that early church that we're looking at as we walk through Acts. And we're going to look at more of that today. And what I want to do today is I want to focus on what I'm going to call the catalyst. The catalyst that really spread that spirit through the early church and grew the church so rapidly. And talk about how can that catalyst, that same catalyst, be something that explodes the growth of what we see going on around here in our church too. Today, we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 17. If you want to turn there, it is on page 926 in your pew Bible. Even though our assigned passage today is just verses 10 through 15, we're going to be looking at the entire section of chapter 17, verses 1 through 15, because really what I want to look at is what is going on in that entire section that's happening there. So let me open up in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for Holy Spirit-inspired worship that we've had, that Chris led with us this morning, Lord. And now as we open your word, open our hearts and minds to hear you speak to us, Lord, that we can share that with others. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to read through, starting at verse 1, chapter 17, again, page 926 in the Pew Bible. And I'm going to read 1 through 15. It says... Now, when they passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in, and was his custom, on three days, Sabbath, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, and saying, This Jesus, who I proclaim to you, is the Christ." And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks, and not a few of the leading women. But the Jews were jealous, and taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob, 
set the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out of the crowd. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. And Jason has received them, and they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. And the people in the city authorities were disturbed when they heard these things. And when they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Many of them therefore believed with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned about the word of God that was proclaimed by Paul at Berea also, they came there too, agitating and stirring up the crowds. Then the brothers immediately sent Paul off on his way to the sea, but Silas and Timothy remained there. Those who conducted Paul brought him as far as Athens, and after receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him, As soon as possible, they departed. This passage gives us a real good opportunity to take a look at specifically the message that Paul preached. He preached the same message both to the Thessalonians and to the Bereans. And Luke sets up a little bit of a compare and contrast between what was said to one of them and how they responded to one group of people and how they responded to another group. But what is interesting here is that this message that Luke talks, that Paul proclaimed here, we see in maybe its most succinct, condensed form that we see anywhere in Acts. And I want to take a look at that message today, because if you take a look at verses 2 through 3, it says what that message was that Paul proclaimed. And Paul went in, and as was his custom... On three Sabbath days, he reasoned from them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary, and here is the crux of the message, necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, and saying, this Jesus, who I proclaim to you, is the Christ. Now, this message that Paul is proclaiming here is the same message we see Peter and other apostles proclaim throughout Acts, from the very beginning of Acts to the very end. It's the same message that Jesus preached when he was here on earth during his ministry that we see in the Gospels. And it is the same message that was begun to be preached all the way back into the Old Testament. If you take a look at, verse, for example, Isaiah 61.1, you see the same message even preached foreshadowing that Jesus was to come again. This message is called, in the Bible, this message is called the gospel or the good news. And the message is called the good news for a really good reason. It is called the good news because it is a news, it is about something that happened, something that really happened. So it's not about someone's opinion about what has happened or someone's opinion about anything that they feel about. It is declaring what really happened. And that is the core of what good news means. It's declaring something that has happened. And these days, 
and shall I say, especially during these days. Do we not all need some good news? Don't you need some good news? I mean, we are bombarded with bad news. We're bombarded with that news daily. We're bombarded with it hourly. And now with our social media and our carrying our phones around, we are bombarded with that bad news instantaneously, wherever we're at. But here, Paul is proclaiming to all of us good news. The good news that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior of all. That he has come and died on the cross for our sins. That he is bringing us our salvation. That he is the good news. He is the one who is the good news that we're proclaiming. And this good news that he proclaims really, really should calm us in this time where we have so much anxiety. It should give us a different perspective of what is happening in the world. As we all know, in a few weeks, we're going to be electing the next president of the United States. But we are not electing the one who already has all the power and authority, all the power and authority over whoever gets elected as that president. This is the same person who has the power and authority over every leader in every country in the world. It is the same person who has the power and authority over our enemies, the power and authority over the principalities and powers that exist in the heavens, and is even the one who has the power over Satan, over sin, and over death. This is the person who Paul is proclaiming, the one who is Christ, the one who is Jesus, the one who is the Messiah, the one who is Lord of all. Amen. <laughs> now, the Apostle Paul proclaimed this good news, that this is the one, as we see here, who rose and died on the third day. Now, may I say that I am really glad and thank God that God did not have us have to do an election to choose who this person would be placed in the power and authority. God the Father chose the only person who could be placed in position of that, which was Jesus who willingly went to the cross and died for us. That is good news. Can you grasp that? That is really good news. On the last day of creation, God in Genesis says what? It's not just good news, but it is very good news. And I would say that is very, very good news to all of us. That no matter what is happening in the world, we can calm our anxieties and we can place our faith in the one who ultimately has the power and authority over all of it. And that is what Paul was proclaiming back then that we see in Acts. That is what is being proclaimed for the last 2,000 years. That is why we're all here today. It's because Jesus is Lord. And so I want to look a little bit more at what Paul says about this good news of Jesus Christ. And if you take a look on chapter 17, I want you to notice where Paul is at during this time. In verse 1, notice how it says that it was actually Paul and Silas. They ended up going to Thessalonica. Now, does anybody recognize that term, that city? Does anybody know why that's important? It's because we have two books, two letters in the New Testament 
called 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians, where after Paul visits here, he writes two letters to that church. 1 Thessalonians is probably the very first letter that Paul ever wrote. And he probably wrote that around 50 A.D. or so. What I'd like to do is have us turn to 1 Thessalonians. And that is, in your pew Bible, should be on page 986. And I want to look a little bit more at what Paul tells us about this good news message that he was proclaiming and that we are to proclaim today. And I want to take a look, first of all, at verse 4. Notice what Paul says. He's now talking about this good news that he was preaching originally to the Thessalonians. And he says, For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you, that this Christ has chosen all of us, because our gospel, there it is, gospel. When you think gospel, you think good news. When you think good news, you think of something that happened. When you think of something that happened, you think of Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for us. He says, because our gospel came to you not only in word, so it wasn't just only Paul speaking it, but as he spoke it, it says, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit. Then when Paul spoke and proclaimed that word, that good news, along with that and by that proclamation is the power of God. It says in 1 Corinthians For the word of the cross that Paul's preaching here was the power of God unto salvation. People are saved when they hear that word because it's the power of God working through that word. And he does that through the Holy Spirit. And notice it also says, and with full conviction. So it's that word that convicts us, convicts us of our sin, convicts us of how we need to get right with God, convicts us on how to live a holy life. But now I want you to listen to what Paul is saying to the Thessalonians here. He's saying, this is the word I proclaim to you. But then he goes on, look at verse 6, and he says, And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Here Paul is telling the Thessalonians, that after he preached the word, we don't know exactly what the time frame is, after he preached that word, and they believed that word and formed this church that he's writing to, he is now praising them because he's saying, all of you, you can picture Paul up here, and Paul's praising all of the Thessalonians and saying, all of you, I praise you because you're doing what I did. You are imitating me. Now, Paul, that's pretty audacious, but he can say that. To the Corinthian church, he said in 1 Corinthians 11.1, he said, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. So Paul is saying, do what I do. And he's saying, you Thessalonians, you have imitated me as I imitate Christ. Well, how did they do it? Well, take a look at verse 8. This is how they imitated Paul. They said, For not only has the word of God sounded forth from you of Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. What are the Thessalonians doing? The entire church? All of them are doing what Paul initially did for them. They are proclaiming this good news 
to others. They are now the one who are preaching the good news. They are now the one who's taking that word that has the power of the Holy Spirit. And they are all going out and they are preaching that and telling and declaring and proclaiming and telling everyone that good news, that Jesus is that good news, that he is Lord and Savior of all. So they're all doing that and we see the effect of that. We see by them doing it that that word has now gone out all through Macedonia and Achaia. Just through them sharing the good news. So you can see that then, back then, that church who spread that good news, they were imitating what Paul was doing. And they were now going out and declaring that news to others. You want to know why the early church exploded in growth? It wasn't just because of people like Paul and Peter preaching and proclaiming the good news. It was because the entire churches that heard that good news, all of them were going out and also preaching that good news. All of us, we know there's a term, all of us um, have probably have heard that term, that as Christians we are to become more like Christ, or to look more like him. I want you to think for a moment, what did Christ do? If we're all to become more like him, one of the things you would see throughout Christ's ministry, probably if not I would say the primary thing, the main thing Christ did was preach the good news. Proclaim the good news to everyone he came in contact with. So if we, if each one of us want to become more like Christ, we too are to take the message of who he is and tell others and declare to others about that. We are here today because 2,000 years ago, Paul preached to this little church in Thessalonians. Well, it was actually a synagogue at the time. He preached to the Thessalonians, who then believed. They then preached to everyone in their entire area who believed, and that has now rippled all the way down to all of us here today. All of us are here today. If you believe in the Lord Jesus, if you have, have accepted him as your Lord and Savior, you have done that because someone somehow, somewhere, at some time, has proclaimed the word of God to you. And as we see in here, when that word is proclaimed, people believe. So what I'd like to do is briefly go through four different points, taking a look at our text, going back, go ahead and go back to Acts 17. I want to look at four points about how can we all today be involved in proclaiming that good news of Christ. We'll look at those four points, and then I want to give a practical illustration about that. So the first point I want to make is, look at the very beginning in chapter 17. The first thing I want to say is, the first thing we have to do to proclaim that good news is we've got to go to where people need to hear the good news. We have to go to a place where people don't know Christ. You, all of us, we can be around fellow Christians all day long. We can go to all the different meetings, and we can do all those things all very, very good. But people are not going to hear the good news and believe and the church is not going to grow unless we go to people who need to hear that word. And you see, that's exactly what Paul did. You can see that in verse um, in chapter 17, it says in verse 1, we see that he went into the synagogue of the Jews. At that time, that's where the Jews were, and Paul was going in, first of all, to proclaim to them who Christ was. And then, and also within that synagogue, you typically would have Gentiles in that synagogue that he was also proclaiming to. 
So the first thing we have to do is go to a place where people need to hear the good news. And shall I also say that when you go, do what Paul and Silas did here. It wasn't just Paul who went. It was Paul and Silas. They went together. So sometimes we need to go to our friends or to our people at work, and it might just be us telling them the good news about Christ. But sometimes it might be if we go to a larger crowd where we go with someone else, not just us alone that are going. The second point I want to make is we have to get the word out. We have to get the word out. I think this is where, and I will be honest, I'm, I will put myself in this place. This is where we get stuck. We, I think today, we can be very good at setting an example. We can be very good at being like Christ to others in loving them, caring for them. And we should be doing that, and thank God we are doing that. But we have to tell them the good news. If they don't hear the good news, they're not going to know it. We need to tell them the good news. We need to get that word out. We need to do what Paul did here with both the Thessalonians and the Bereans. He went and, and both, to both of them, both groups of people, it says he proclaimed this good news that Jesus is Lord. And sometimes it can be that simple. It can be just as simple as someone saying, I just, you know, they're freaking out about the election, <laughs> okay? Oh, I don't know, you know, what's going to happen to our country if this person or this person or that person? And we can just say, you know what? I'm not worried about it because Jesus is the one who is Lord. You just proclaim the good news. It can be that simple sometimes. And sometimes we have to reason with them. That's why it's really good that so many of you are involved right now in small groups that are studying the word of God because if you want to get the word out of you, you got to first of all get the word in you. And that's what a lot of us are doing. The fourth point I want to make is you need to gauge people's response to the good news. So if you take a look here, the response was varied between when they went to the Thessalonians, when Paul went and preached the good news, versus the Bereans. We see here it's pointed out. If you take a look at verse 11, it says that when Paul went to the Bereans, they received the word, unlike the Thessalonians, They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. When you go out and you tell others and share with others about Christ, you're going to have a varied reaction. Some people, you might just be shocked, and someone who you think would never accept that word immediately accepts and says, I want to know this Lord. I want to accept him right now. And you need to be prepared for that. And then you're going to have some people who are just going to say, I don't want you to talk to me anymore. I don't want to hear it anymore. And just like what Paul had to do, sometimes persecution is going to come along. Sometimes there's going to be resistance. And sometimes it means you have to leave because someone doesn't want to hear it. And then the last point is we need to ultimately give the results to God. This is God's word we're proclaiming. It is not ours, which means we don't know how people are going to react to it. We don't know what we say today is going to... Ten years from now, someone's going to remember it. I know for me, I didn't become a Christian until I was 28. But I had a girlfriend when I was 18 who was Catholic and a real strong Christian. And she used to tell me about Jesus. And I used to think, what? (laughs) You know, you worship this. And honestly, I used to think, you worship this dead person? And yet it took me another ten years before that word she placed inside of me 
made me realize that this is not a dead person. It's a person who rose again, who is now Lord of the entire world and Savior. So those are the four things to think about. Got to go where people are, where they need to hear the word. You need to get the word out. You need to gauge and be sensitive to how they're responding, and then you just need to give it to God. So what I want to do right now is I want to give us all a practical example of how that works. And to do that, I'm going to have Steve Dixon come up and just share about how he's been involved in doing something just like this. Coming up, Steve. Yes. Thanks, Greg. A friend invited me uh, to join his ministry uh, out by Saddleback Hospital. It's a rehabilitation center. And uh, I said, well, I'll pray about it. And I prayed about it. And I heard nothing. I heard nothing. I didn't hear a yes. I didn't hear a no. And so I just said, well, God, I don't feel like I'm a preacher. I don't feel like I'm a pastor. But I'm going to do this until you send a replacement for me. (laughs) That was five years ago. (laughs) So these poor people have, some of them have been there longer than me. And so they've been through some rough times with me. Um, this one particular Sunday, though, uh, a lot of the patients have alarms on their wheelchairs. And there was an alarm going off every five minutes during the sermon. And I have to fill an hour worth of time out there. And then there's a guy out in the hallway that's just louder than you can believe. And he's telling somebody a story about how his foot got injured. And it's just so disruptive. And I, so I'm reading in 1 Corinthians. Started in 1 and got through chapter 3. And um, finished up and left. And the guy stopped me. The guy who was out in the hallway actually came in about three-quarters of the way through the sermon. And sat there. And as I was leaving, he stopped me and he said, Thank you so much for that message. I had no idea that my body was the temple of the living God. (laughs) So I prayed for him, and I prayed for his foot to be healed, and off I went. And as I was driving home, I was kind of asking God, what was that all about? How could anybody get anything out of that message? And before I got home, I got a phone call from the guy who runs the ministry. And he said, you know that guy, Brett, that you stopped and prayed for? He accepted the Lord. (laughs) Go figure, right? So don't give up. Hang in there. And if I can do it, anybody (laughs) in here can do it. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. There's a real good example of someone who's sort of stepped out, and it's hard. I mean, we can be afraid, we can be scared, we can say, I can't do it, and that's where we just rely on the Spirit. And you notice what he did. He did just exactly what Paul did in Acts. He went to where people needed to hear the message. He spoke the message. He preached that message there from 1 Corinthians. It could be anywhere in this book. This is the Word of God. Whenever we're speaking anything from this book, 
is the power of God unto salvation. And he did that. And then you see, <laughs> he just had no idea what the response. I mean, we, you don't know. I mean, I think that's why Jesus in Matthew 5, he says twice in the Beatitudes, blessed are those who are persecuted. It's like we need a double blessing because you know what? When we preach the word, we're going to get persecuted. In fact, sometimes that persecution is the sign to know that we're following Jesus. And it can be hard. But again, he promises to bless us through that. And then finally, and, and luckily he didn't have to wait five years to find out, but you can see that he goes home and it's like, I don't know what happened. I don't know what was that all about. We saw what it was all about. Jesus Christ now has become that person's Lord and Savior because Steve was faithful to God in doing exactly what Paul did in Acts, in doing exactly what the church of and the Thessalonians did back there and what people have been doing for 2,000 years and what all of us, if we all are out there preaching that word, that's what's going to cause that explosive growth where the Spirit's going to come as it has been more and more in this church as more and more people know the Lord. Amen. Amen. And I want to have all you stand. And as I do that, I want to invite the prayer team down. And the elders, um, if you need prayer of any type, talk with anybody, please come down. That's what we are all here to do, is to, is to pray for you. And I want to close both in prayer, and then I want to give a short benediction to all of us. So, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day. Again, we praise you that you are the Lord and Savior of this world, Lord. Help us to take that into our hearts In everything we do, trust that you are in control, that you have the power and authority over all. And Father, we need you and we need your spirit. Help us to be bold to go and proclaim that you are Lord to the rest of the world. In Jesus' name, amen. And so I want to just end with a benediction. This is is from 1 Thessalonians, the very first letter that Paul wrote. He said, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Amen, Amen. and have a great week.